happy to have on the show today, Andrew Stelzer. He's the head of business development for Unlearn AI. They're advancing AI to power the future of medicine. So you're a hardcore scientist that has now jumped into the business world. Yeah. So my career's taken a really interesting journey. Starting all the way back in graduate school when I was studying for my PhD at the University of Michigan, I was doing biophysics and some thing called NMR spectroscopy and computer simulations, trying to understand how biomolecules move so we could better improve drug discovery. And I took a bit of a sabbatical that my advisor let me take. And I sat in the business school, the Ross Business School at the University of Michigan. And it was a crash course in entrepreneurship and how you actually create scientific, take scientific discoveries and make them be valuable in the world. How do you create a business around it? And it was really an aha moment for me and set me on a path of being at this interface of science and business throughout my career. Helped start a company after graduate school around drug discovery using biophysical tools. And even at that time, we were using very rudimentary machine learning technologies to support that. And then more recently now at Unlearn have joined the team to help drive commercial adoption of what we do around AI and predicting people's health outcomes. And having that science background helps you understand that component. And then knowing business helps me, helps me drive the commercial growth of the company. So how do you drive the commercial growth of a product like this? Right now, we're at the stages where we have to find early adopters of what we're doing. ChatGPT came on the scene and everybody could intuitively understand it because you can send a, give it a prompt and say, I don't know, tell me about this particular topic I'm interested in, or take this email and give me two bullet points to summarize it. Whereas what we do is we predict people's clinical outcomes over time. And so there's a limited number of people who actually care about that and how you could use it. And so we're really focusing on talking with key people in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry. So it's about building relationships, finding like-minded people in those early adopters that will cement our market, and then we'll be able to springboard off of that. So those are the people that care about it. You said pharmaceutical and biotech companies. Yeah. Biotech. It's very, so what do they want the information for to figure out the future of kind of drugs? Well, what and things we're like? focusing on today, being able to predict how a person's health should progress through time allows people to run clinical trials in particular with fewer required participants. I don't know how many people know this, but the way medicines get approved, at least in the United States and Europe, in Japan and most major jurisdictions, is we actually test potential drugs on humans. It's, it's an experiment. You don't know if it's going to be safe or not. You don't know if it's going to work or not. And so humans are used as guinea pigs in this test to find this out. So there's some ethical considerations there that people have to wrestle with, but it's our goal as a business today to help them run these trials with fewer people that are needed. So there's few, fewer people at risk making sure you're answering the questions as fast as possible with the fewest number of people possible. And we're using AI to help people do that. So I want to talk about the fact that you were not an entrepreneur. Then you jumped back into more of a classical corporate career. What caused that for you? And what has that been like? It's a great question. When I helped start the business, it was called Nymerum at the time after graduate school. I was still a scientist at that point. I was the first scientist at the company, helped build the team, build the lab and so forth. And I began to move into more business and corporate roles throughout my eight to nine years that I was there. After leaving Nymerum, I began to learn about Unlearn. And at the time when Charles was starting this, it was him and three other people, the two co-founders and then their first hire, this guy named Graham. And I was very intrigued. And so even when I joined, Unlearn only had about 16 people. And so it wasn't like I was jumping into a big corporation. It was jumping into a bootstrap or pull your boots up by your bootstrap startup. 
which is something I'm inclined to do because I like to try and do hard things. And building a business from the ground up is one of the hardest things I think you can do. So are you happy? I guess you found the right fit. So it, it worked with your entrepreneurial startup type mentality because it's a rapid growth company. Yeah, exactly. It was, I was really the first person to lead commercial at Unlearn and figure out how we're going to sell what we sell today. And so there was no playbook, no process written, which is what I like. Working in an uncertain environment and be able to create something on your own is entrepreneurial, I think, by definition. So I definitely fulfilled that for me in this role. What are some of the biggest opportunities you're seeing right now from like a scientific commercial combination perspective? That's a great question. What I'm seeing now is more and more the successful people building technologies, companies that change the world for the better are scientists that have an inclination to understand business. A lot of scientists want to understand the science and sit in the science and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's hard to translate into, into that being into something tangible that the world wants to effectively buy. That's what business is. So people who want to build something and then say immediately, what kind of business can I create with this? And how can I ensure I'm going into the market with the right approach? Those types of key questions for a business and thinking strategically about it is where you're seeing a lot of success. And even Charles, the CEO of Unlearn, is one of those people, brilliant scientist, but is always thinking about, are we approaching this, bringing it to market in the right way? And how do we need to rethink our business to make sure we are doing that in a way that will allow us to be a sustainable, successful growth company? So what would your advice be to, let's say, early scientists, right? Because sometimes scientists falls down the path of getting stuck in the research and they live their whole life developing something great that never gets into yeah. application. My advice, I would say, is to learn more than the science, first and foremost. Like be, 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 find it intriguing, find it compelling to want to learn about the business world. You don't need to go get an MBA necessarily or anything like that, but just even read common layman's articles about what's going on and begin to think about how that juxtaposes with the research that you're doing. And don't be afraid to try and just push it out there. Try and push your science to the point of creating a business around it. If it's a product, if it's a platform technology, whatever it might be, and go talk to people in that community, venture capitalists, angel investors, and get their take, or even seasoned entrepreneurs. They are happy to provide guidance to people early in their careers. And I think that helps early on. If you had to give yourself advice to your younger self, and you could tell yourself only one thing, what would it be? One thing. There's many things I would tell myself. Be a little more patient. Yeah, that's a good All one. entrepreneurs are impatient. That we want things to happen immediately now or yesterday, but sometimes it just takes time. And I've learned that throughout my career now and are using it hopefully to my advantage because there's roller coaster ride. A startup is a roller coaster ride. So being patient, knowing the ups won't be forever and the lows won't be forever is important. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I should... The one thing people often ask me, especially giving my science background in biophysics, which is usually a very non, like commercially focused business or back background and not someone who talks to people for a living like I do, is how, why did I ever go into science? I guess that's what people always ask me. Why? If you love business a lot and that's really where you're sitting, why did you go into science in the first place? So why did you? The honest truth is as a kid, I went through a time when I was an adolescent, got in trouble, was being rebellious. And the one thing that kept me grounded at school was being good at chemistry. Actually, I was a really good chemistry student. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to get back on the straight and narrow, what am I going to do? And talk to my chemistry teacher in high school. And she encouraged to go to college and study that. 
And so that's really what started everything. And I love the challenge of trying to learn something new and thinking about how matter works and various chemical principles. And I don't know, it just, it was challenging enough to keep me interested and keep me on the straight path. And then I found my way into actually doing a PhD. Yeah. Were you creating little exploding experiments? We actually did. We used to go <laughs> in, in undergraduate school. My now wife and I, who were classmates at the time, would go down. It was called not Odyssey of the Mind. There was some facility in the city where you would go work with kids. And it was like a science museum you would go to. And we would do like the exploding hydrogen balloon where you fill a balloon with hydrogen and then you light a match to it. And you have one with helium and you teach them that helium is not flammable. Hydrogen is. We would do, we called it elephant toothpaste. I forget the chemical we would use baking soda or something in soap and add to food coloring and it would explode everywhere. So yes, I did a lot of that. In the lab, no. Laboratory research is not exploding or that fun or glorious. It's a bunch of tiny little volumes of liquid that you're pipetting around and sticking into instruments and measuring. Nothing like you see on CSI shows either. <laughs> less glorious than that. But nonetheless, if you're into science and data, you enjoy it. Yeah, to our listeners, we're not recommending that's the reason you get into chemistry, but it is fun. It's a byproduct. It's a fun byproduct of it. 